Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by our managing editor, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, are you ready to go to Big D Dallas for Big 12 Football Media Days? I am, Chip. Uh, we will be leaving tomorrow. Actually, we're recording a day early, but yeah, I'm a, I'm ready for some Real football talk to be back in, uh, you know, the summer months here. How are you doing? You excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I always love going to Big 12 football media days. It's a chance to first, of course, hear about how uh, all the teams are doing for our fans and listeners, the Texas Longhorns, find out how uh, summer workouts are going from the perspective of the players as well as Steve Sarkeesian, although the players are the ones who really know because They've been doing all the the working out. Famous uh, recollection, Mac Brown uh, thought that maybe Jevin Sneed was going to be his quarterback back in uh, 2006 and found out from his players when they went out to dinner right before their appearance at Big 12 Media Days that no, 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 Colt McCoy was the guy, the clear, the clear guy. And Mac Brown was like, whoa, okay. So even the coaches uh, tend to learn a little something from their players when they get together for these uh, interviews over the course of Wednesday and Thursday this week in Big D Dallas or Arlington, the, yeah. uh, the Cowboys spaceship there, Jerry World. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to to hear from, from B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, DeMarvin Overshawn, Ovia Gofu, and... And look, Taylor, there's a lot going on in the world of college athletics right now. Right. So walking the halls, hanging out in the hotel lobbies, uh, trying to meet up with people. Uh, this is where you can find out, um, you know, maybe what's really going on with college athletics and what is looming next in terms of realignment, because we know the Big 12, um, what will be left behind when Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. Uh, they're talking, they're talking right. to people, they're talking to the PAC 12, they're talking to the Arizona schools, they're talking to um, Colorado, the prodigal Buffaloes, maybe coming back to the big 12, Utah as a possible uh, regional partner for BYU. So it's, it's fascinating times in college athletics being dictated largely by ABC ESPN and Fox. So um, it uh, it's always fun. Yeah, for sure. And this is going to be, I mean, this was already going to be um, a, an interesting kind of unique Big 12 Media Days, I feel, Chip, because, uh, you know, Media Days fell before Texas and Oklahoma announced last summer that they were going to be joining the SEC. 
And so this is the by first about time. a week. Yeah, by yeah, exactly. Like right after Big 12 Media Days. So this was going to be the first time that, you know, the schools really kind of face one another in a media setting and the conference, you know, um, offices too, and be like front facing there for people to ask questions about it. But the other thing too, I think it's funny because normally I, I'm, tr I'm like trying to think back over the years of covering Texas, but I cannot recall a time where they put Texas and Oklahoma on the same day for Big 12 Media Days. They always had them on different days. Usually Oklahoma went the first day and then Texas would go the second day. And so when they put out the schedule, this was even before real, like, you know, other realignment um, started with USC and UCLA announcing they're going to the Big 10. But they had put Texas and Oklahoma on the same day. And I kind of thought like, oh, I think that's a little bit of a, a snide type of intentional move by the Big 12 to not feature you know, have one of them be featured as kind of the big dog um, each day after they kind of blew up uh, the conference in a sense, you know, so it was already kind of shaping sure. up to be really interesting. But then you add in, you know, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten, more conference realignment, you know, across the country, it's going to be um, a lot of things to talk about, I think, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Putting Texas and Oklahoma on the same day uh, limits that to one day of of news coverage uh, by one day, we're referring to those schools uh, imminent impending departure for the SEC. You don't give them two days of that coverage. You're going to pile them in together and, uh, and hope that it gets, you know, washed out after one day. And um, there's no doubt, but you're right too, because with USC and UCLA and their, their move to the Big Ten effective in 2024. It, th that Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC seems old. It, it, right. It, now everyone's wondering, okay, are more, is the Pac-12, Are the, is the Big 12 going to add schools from the Pac-12 and all of that? And I'm told that the Pac-12 presidents are going to wait, see what kind of media deal they can get from their, from their partners. Um, which of course includes Fox and ESPN, and then and then the presidents will decide. Uh, okay, we can make something out of this, or it's time to go. And so, there's probably going to be more movement after these Big Twelve media days, um, and and then of course the ACC. Are they going to be able to stick together? That's a whole nother question. Seems like Notre Dame. Um, the Big Ten's waiting on Notre Dame, and they may be waiting a long time, but Notre Dame will will look and see if the landscape is collapsing around them and if they feel like their only path to the playoff is to join a conference that's always been their, their sort of uh, escape hatch or you know break glass uh, if there's a fire. And, and we'll see if that comes to pass because we know Notre Dame um, is – imminently about their independence they've turned down bigger paydays in the past to to remain independent and so uh fascinating times fascinating times yeah um, and the ever-shifting landscape of college football and and welcome to big 12 commissioner you know oh my, my goodness i still think it's uh, it's so crazy that literally the day after they announce him He's not even taking the job yet, and then everything blows up in his face before he even works a day. Yeah, Brett Yormark's first day on the job was supposed to be August 1st. Yeah. <laughs> He's been running 
drinking from a fire hose from, as you said, from the day that he was announced as the uh, incoming Big 12 commissioner. So it, that's the other thing, too, is that you've got so many green, fresh uh, people in those commissioner jobs when they've, they had been long-standing, um, iconic personalities when you talk about Jim Delaney in the in the Big Ten, and um, you know, for better or worse, Larry Scott in the in the Pac-10, and then eventually the Pac-12. And Larry Scott would have been a genius if he could have pulled off, you know, reeling in Texas and Oklahoma and in six Big Twelve schools back in 2010. He didn't. His media deal was a disaster, disaster because he yeah. didn't have those schools, and and now we're seeing the result that USC and UCLA with the opportunity to go make um, big money um, in the big 10 that they're, they were going to take it because they feel like they've been falling so far behind in terms of the financial arms race that it was time for them to do something dramatic, like join the big 10 because there they have a chance to make 80 million, 90 million, a hundred million per year from their media uh, revenue, as opposed to life in the Pac-12, which was fourth behind, um, you know, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12, and has been for 10 years. Right. So every year that they're, you know, collecting only a, a fraction of what the Big Ten and SEC are collecting, they're falling further behind. So... It's sad that it's all about the money, but it is. And yeah. and so student athletes, you're going to be on six hour flights and um, you're probably going to be spending most of your class time in airplanes yeah. uh, if you're at USC and UCLA. So, but yeah, anyway. and it is always about the money because we're talking about making a mil hundred million a year, potentially. I mean, that that's, that's no chump change, you know, so. Right. And if you're a school president or an athletic director and you have that opportunity to help your school, help your athletic uh, department, your facilities, your ability to hire coaches. I mean, UCLA is notoriously cheap. Mm -hmm. I mean, notoriously cheap. And um, they can now shed that that reputation and and get into the game. And, you know, their their football has been a non-factor for like Texas for a while, a decade at least. And at least, yeah. And now it's time to see if and it it's not just the money. We know we know that. If it was just the money, Texas would be in the mix for the national championship every year. You got to have the coach, you got to have the alignment in your school leadership. You've got to have um the coach who hires the staff who can do the recruiting. Now you need collectives. You got to have it all. And so We'll see if USC and UCLA can can get it right. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement at USC with Lincoln Riley um, at, you know, running around with the Trojans. He's a Trojan man now, Taylor. Um, oh, that, uh, you know, and that leads us back to Big 12 football media days. And I don't know where you want to start, whether it's the, the Big 12 media uh, picking Baylor as the preseason favorite to repeat as Big 12 champion, uh, the offensive player of the year. No surprise there. Bijan the media, Bijan yeah. Robin Robinson. And, um, and of course we have our 
position ranking countdown. We are at number two and number one this week here on the flagship podcast. So uh, you don't want to go anywhere because we will be uh, building up to that. Oh, and also we have an interview with Arch Manning's high school coach at Isidore Newman, uh, Nelson Stewart, that uh, we put out uh, Monday. And everybody's loving that interview, Taylor. Yeah. And yeah, if you have not looked at that, sorry, if you're seeing me, I have like a hair hanging in my eye right now. It's driving me nuts. But <laughs> if you have not fun. checked, yeah, I know, right? If you have not checked out the interview with uh, Nelson Stewart, you definitely need to. He went really in-depth behind the scenes of everything that really led to Arch Manning committing to Texas, a process that he said started really four years ago and has really taken over not just Arch's life, but a lot of his too, you know, and kind of managing the number of coaches that came through his office. Just, I mean, just some really, really cool, really neat kind of behind the scenes look at how the the Arch Manning to Texas unfolded um, from a guy that watched it every step of the way. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, Chip, I think we start with the media preseason pool, or excuse me, um, <clears throat> ranking, excuse me, and then the players of the year that were announced by the media. But, um, you know, it didn't surprise me that, that Baylor was picked to repeat. It was kind of interesting because I'm pretty sure this ends what OU's like six or seven year straight consecutive record of being picked to win the conference um, in the preseason by the media that covers the league. But it really doesn't surprise me that that Baylor was picked this year. It does kind of surprise me that Oklahoma was picked second, though, because I still think that, I mean, what is anybody expecting Brent Venables to do this season? I mean, I think that was probably, I, I was thinking Oklahoma State would be picked second behind Baylor, kind of a repeat of last year's Big 12 title game. And I, that that was the thing that was surprising to me, I think, by it. And then Texas obviously picked fourth behind Oklahoma, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, kudos to Dave Aranda. But my gosh, they won that Big 12 championship by about two inches. Yeah. Um, and, and again, kudos because – you know, Blake Shapin, the quarterback who came in and, um, you know, helped guide Baylor late in the season. And, and then Dave Aranda basically names him the starter in the spring, giving, uh, Jerry Bohannon the green light to leave. And he does. And so it, you know, it is an interesting Baylor has some big holes to fill obviously on offense and defense but they do have some some um, interesting people returning. I'm not I'm not as sold on on Baylor, but I'm not totally sold on anybody. Yeah, I think so it's kind of wide open right now. It is. It really yeah. is. I mean, you could you could look at K State, and you know, with their offensive line returning, and they've got the preseason defensive player of the year. And Adrian Martinez coming in from Nebraska to take over for Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn. They, you know, they, they may have the best team under Chris Kleiman uh, so far. And, you know, their schedule is, 
is pretty good. I mean, they get they get Texas in Manhattan. They have to go to OU, but they've won at OU, even under Chris Kleiman. And then they get Oklahoma State in Manhattan. Um, they do have to play at Baylor, but K-State's one of those teams that, um, you know, you got to keep an eye on because uh, Chris Kleiman's got, uh, you know, he's got some impressive wins on the resume. Like I mentioned, he's beaten OU twice. He played him to a touchdown last year. Um, you know, and Mike Gundy, I, I'm just, I'm always amused at people thinking Mike Gundy, even when he loses, um, you know, really talented football players like Chuba Hubbard or Tylen Wallace, or, um, you know, on defense, they lose a ton from that team last year. They even lost their defensive coordinator. And so people are like, oh, okay, well, Oklahoma State, you can just forget that. They're they're going to go back to being an offensive team. Uh, they got a new defensive coordinator, Derek Mason. He's no Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles struggled a little bit when he first got to, to Stillwater, but then, you know, he had it going. So Mike Gundy, it doesn't seem to matter who his coordinators are. He just keeps winning. His culture right. is in place. So I think Oklahoma State is a is a team <clears> – <throat> You know, you got to watch. And then you look at OU. OU gets K-State at home. They, of course, have the Red River shootout in Dallas, but they get Baylor uh, in Norman, and they get Oklahoma State in Norman. So Oklahoma, I mean, if Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Lebby can get this offense going, we know Brent Venables uh, has been active and um, – you know, trying to patch up that defense. We know he's a really solid defensive mind. You can't count out the winning culture at OU because winning's been a habit there for so long. They know how to plug in to it. Um, and so, and then of course you've got the, you know, no one's picking Iowa state and that usually is right where Matt Campbell likes to be. And no one's picking TCU and TCU has, some really talent. I mean, Max Duggan has beaten Texas twice in his career and, and they've got Quentin Johnston and they've got running backs. I mean, that's a veteran TCU team that Sonny Dykes is taking over. And so I think it's a fascinating year in the big 12 and whoever can kind of get that mojo going early and, you know, maybe sneak up on some people like K-State plays OU uh, to start conference play. Uh, heck, Texas needs to watch out for that road trip um, to Texas Tech on September 24th because, my gosh, Joey McGuire is like a one-man, you know, carnival revival. That guy's so full of fire and enthusiasm. You, you think he's going to, you know, trot out a bunch of, uh, NFL players, the way he talks about how much he believes in his, his guys. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot. Yeah. You listen and carefully. I, you learn a lot at these big 12 media days. Right. And you know, I think the team that people really aren't giving as much credit that I I'm kind of fascinated with is West Virginia with Graham Harrell coming in as the offensive coordinator there for Neil Brown. He has JT Daniels, who I know, you know, he, recruited to USC, then he transferred to Georgia, but now they're reunited. I mean, 
I think that's a team that, you know, I think, I think that game and the, the Kansas state game for Texas this year are going to, could be either really coin flips, but if Texas doesn't come out ready to go, they could get really, you know, punched in the mouth a little bit by either one of those teams. I'm really fascinated by West Virginia. I don't think they're getting near the amount of, you know, credit that they deserve. And that's the team that beat Texas last year too. You know, I mean that they weren't, I mean, they weren't a great team. I think that the thing with TCU, if we're comparing these teams to like Texas this season, I think, it, you know, Texas is going to obviously have the edge against this TCU team because Gary Patterson is on staff. He'll be able to help the coaching staff, you know, maneuver game planning leading up to that game with him knowing all the personnel there. But still, yeah, I think TCU is a team that's really talented that maybe isn't getting a lot of attention. I mean, th- this is just, I feel like, a wide open league this year, but I do, I agree with the media voting Baylor at the top of the conference. Personally, I I think I have more faith in Baylor than I do at Oklahoma right now, for sure. Okay. And that's one and two teams personally. Okay. All right. I like, uh, I respect that. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I Baylor lost one of my favorite players, um, in the league last year. Uh, and Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. I mean, I think those two guys were like big time heart and soul guys. And then Abram Smith was this crazy story of a guy who, you know, was on offense and he went to linebacker. Then they moved him to running back and he ends up running for 1600 yards last year at Baylor under that new wide zone running scheme brought in by Jeff Grimes from BYU totally changed everything around and the thing i do like about baylor is that wide zone running scheme it you can do well with it with not great offensive linemen you're basically you know kind of running to one side and cut blocking and letting the running back find a a lane and it worked to perfection for baylor last year and and so we'll see if if baylor has enough left on defense um, I mean, they do I mean, have they seven. Do re- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. They do have seven starters back. And so even though you lose um, Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard, you still, you know, have Dylan Doyle back, who was a big time playmaker. And, and they won games last year. They won yeah. big, important games that um, give that roster belief. You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, they, and the thing too is they they return a lot of experience on both lines of scrimmage, and I think that's something you can never underestimate when you're looking at at teams. I mean, you know, like those those are where you win and where you lose games. And Baylor does return. I think they return all three of their starting D linemen, and then four or five starters on the offensive line too. I, I believe um, that's what I, I did the the game by game predictions for Horns twenty four seven this week. And based a lot of it off of what Phil Steele um, put out in his college football preview magazine, but that that should never be overlooked, in my opinion, Chip. Um, yep. Just with how how crucial both lines of scrimmage can be on the outcome of you know whether you're on top of, or the bottom of um, of the game. So that that's where I think you know Dave Aranda obviously knows defense. He I I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt with what he does return on that defense and them being one of the best defenses in the conference this year. And you can argue Siaka Ika, the nose tackle at Baylor, you know, could be the preseason defensive player of the year because he's so he's so hard to move and he he sets such uh you know strong uh 
you know, he holds the point of attack right in the middle so well. Um, I have, I've had this conversation with Gary Patterson, with Casey Hampton. If you have that guy who absolutely commands a double team on every single play, and if you leave him single blocked, he's going to wreck you. That guy is worth his weight in gold because he makes everyone around him better and makes life better for the linebackers behind him, for the edge rushers next to him. And, and it just, you know, completely clogs up the other team's attempt to run the football. And as long as Siaka Ika is, you know, playing for the Baylor bears, uh, he's going to, he's going to cause a problem. He's going to cause a big problem. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And Dave Aranda got, I mean, he was, his name was being tossed around for some of the bigger jobs. Uh, you know, his name came up LSU even, you know, was mentioned in, in, you know, possibly, um, you know, in USC before Lincoln Riley said yes. So, uh, it's a big year for Dave Aranda. And, you know, he chose to stay and let's see, he must believe in Blake Shapen an awful lot because he, he gave him the, you know, he gave him the anoint, the anointment in spring. Normally right. coaches wait as long as they possibly can to where you're not going to lose your backup quarterback to the transfer portal. But, um, Dave Rand obviously believes in Blake Shapen a lot and, and the small sample size we saw from Blake Shapen, he was outstanding, but it was a small sample size so right yeah but they beat oklahoma last year they got they they had some some you know they obviously that was a game texas fans i look back and say texas lost that game baylor didn't win it but on the the scoreboard you know you are what the scoreboard says you are right and and baylor was the victor so um it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun um it is it is for sure Okay, so I think we'll revisit some of the, um, you know, some of this in Love It or Leave It. But Bijan Robinson, preseason offensive player of the year. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer for Texas fans, right? Right. Well, I think for most of college football. I mean, I think that even casual fans know who B. John Robinson is. I mean, he's, you know, according to pro football focus, he's the number one rated running back for the 2023 NFL draft. I mean, I think he's more of a household name than probably even like a Quinn Ewers is right now for Texas, especially. But yeah, I think, I think it's a no brainer. I mean, obviously I think Deuce Vaughn had something to say about it too. I think he's, you know, obviously one of the top running backs returning, but I think B. John Robinson his trajectory, his uh, ceiling, everything um, that it's a no brainer to me. And may maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking from the Texas side of things, but I would be shocked if, I mean, he's a national, you know, preseason um, all American first team on a lot of different publications. So, and that's not just big 12, you know? Right. And that's, I was going to say Deuce Vaughn is the only other player who could make an argument. Um, right. You know, he accounted for what almost 3,000 total yards, scored 31 touchdowns um, during his two seasons with the Wildcats. And, um, you know, last year he ran for almost 1,500 yards, 
18 touchdowns rushing and he catches the football. I mean, he caught more passes than Bijan Robinson, 49 catches um, and four touchdowns through the air on, you know, on the field, Deuce Vaughn was more productive last year than Bijan Robinson, but I get it. I'm with you. Bijan Robinson. I talked to NFL scouts. They're like, Oh, this dude is, he's the cold hearted truth because he does it all. And his balance, his vision, you know, his it's the first guy doesn't bring him down. Side tackles don't bring him down. He runs through that stuff. Uh, he's going to be a first round pick. If he just continues to build on what he's done at Texas so far, he'll be a first round pick next April. Um, and you know, all that coach speak where they say he's a better guy than he is a player actually might be true. Yeah. <laughs> Bijan Robinson. He really I mean, is. Yeah. Considering Jeremy Hills came on here and said that if more NFL players were like Bijan Robinson, there would not be off the field issues in the league. Yeah. And he trains NFL players. I'm going to trust that one there. Yeah. Bijan Robinson training at the collective, not that collective, but the collective is the, (laughs) uh, the, the, you know, lifestyle uh, performance training center that uh, Jeremy Hills has opened on South Congress. It's amazing. He just had all of his NFL players in. It's the largest uh, <laughs> event involving NFL players that's not sponsored by the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and go check out our flagship podcast with Jeremy Hills talking about that event. But he also talks about the fact that Bijan Robinson has been doing some training there as well. He's represented by David Mulligetta, uh, the super agent with Athletes First who's also uh, an investor in the collective and a number of David Mulligetta's uh, top um, clients like Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, all train at the collective in Austin with Jeremy Hills. So um, yeah, Bijan Robinson, hard to argue there. And let's see if he has the offensive line to help him because that's the one area where Deuce Vaughn, um, you know, he's, he's had a, a better offensive line than, yeah than Bijan Robinson. And so Texas has got to elevate at that position. And, uh, that and, has to piss off Texas fans to hear that. Right. Like we're yeah. saying that Kansas state has had a better offensive line than Texas. Like it's, wild it's wild to think it's, that yeah it's and fully the truth 100 percent the truth there's no lies told there and kansas state has a preseason all big 12 offensive lineman in cooper bb texas has uh some skill players Bijan robinson xavier worthy uh as first team all big 12 uh, preseason but no offensive lineman right and you got to win up front so yeah I think those that are the is only not a two. first for Texas either. What's that? That's not like a first or an anomaly yeah. for Texas. That's been a consistent pretty much. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, K-State still has Malik Knowles, by the way. That kid seems like he's been running kicks and punts back for touchdowns for six years. But <laughs> Seriously. Um, COVID year, Mal- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if Adrian Martinez, the quarterback who transferred from Nebraska to K-State, can, let's just say, pick up where Skylar Thompson left off. Yeah, before all of his injuries and stuff, too. 
then K-State is going to be a really tough out and having to play them on the road in November, like Texas is having to do, be ready, be ready. Um, oh, and K-State has the uh, preseason defensive player of the year in Felix Anudike Uzoma. Say that three times fast. <laughs> I butcher uh, enough people's names on here, so I'm good. <laughs> I call him Felix AU. Felix AU. I'm good with that one. Felix AU. <laughs> it is amazing that K-State finds these guys who just end up being pass rushing fiends. Um, now, Iowa State still has Will McDonald, who is a pass rushing fiend. It's amazing that, um, you know, Iowa State, K-State can find guys who can get to the quarterback. Uh over and over again and texas is going into this season wondering who that guy is is going to be but uh we we shall see and and the newcomer of the year as voted by the media taylor is dylan gabriel the central florida quarterback who transferred to oklahoma and will take over where caleb williams left off dylan gabriel uh, has ties to Jeff Lebby, the new offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And so this is a bit of a reunion for them. And we'll see if they can get it going. I mean, Jeff Lebby uh, was at Ole Miss last year and had uh, a lot of success moving the football up and down the field. And we'll see if Dylan Gabriel can can grasp and get that OU offense going because OU looked like they were left for dead for a while after they Lincoln did. Riley left for USC. It looked like a roster exodus and kudos to Brent Venables for, you know, patching some holes, getting some guys to reconsider, but bringing in some transfers, trying to get this thing to where it doesn't drop um, considerably with Lincoln Riley gone. So um, it's, it's going to be a, a really interesting year. All right, Taylor, you ready to finish off our position ranking countdown? Yep, let's do it. Okay. All right, well, if you've been following along this summer, you know, football season never ends here on the Flagship Podcast. <laughs> we have been counting down from worst to first in terms of the Texas Longhorns uh, position rankings. Now it started with the offensive line at number 10, special teams, number nine, um, safety and cornerback. Then we got to uh, linebacker and tight end. And Taylor, last week, we got to the quarterback position. But this week we are at the final two, the top two positions uh, in our position ranking countdown. And at, uh, sorry, I left off defensive line at number four, quarterback at number three, wide receiver at number two, Taylor, wide receiver. Yep. You got uh, the big three coming out of the spring. It was pretty evident. Xavier Worthy, the freshman, freshman All-American last year, 12 touchdown catches, broke all of uh, Roy Williams and, you know, Jordan Shipley's freshman records. Uh, 
And of course, you've got uh, Jordan Whittington, the third down receiver, probably the most important vocal leader in that position group who's battled injury, but has been showed last year. He can be highly productive when he's on the field. I mean, he was Mr. Third down for Texas through the first five games of the year. And then he gets injured against Oklahoma, misses a few games, and the offense didn't have a guy who, who could right. go over the middle on third down, didn't have a guy make the kind of contested catches that Jordan Whittington would make. And then they bring in Isaiah Nair, the six foot three Wyoming transfer, who also had 12 touchdown catches that led the Mountain West last year. And he's a guy with a huge catch radius who does make contested catches. And then, oh, by the way, you bring in Ajayi Hall, another six foot three burner from Alabama, who's, you know, highly recruited, had some, you know, little temperamental. Uh, this is going to be uh, a good example for, or let's just say Brendan Marion's going to earn a lot of money. Uh, he needs to. to, to <laughs> he needs to earn more money, right? We, yeah. We, we yeah, reported Chip the salaries. Insider, yeah. And I was shocked. He's the second lowest paid coach on the staff. Yeah, he's, he's making had... four, 400 grand now to you and me. That's like, wow. But yeah, that's to, a lot. But... <laughs> in the football coaching, you know, on a football coaching staff with four guys making a million. Um, and Tashard Choice, good for him, came in uh, as the running backs coach, replacing Stan Drayton. He's making 500,000. Brennan Marion coached the Bolitnikoff Award winner last year at Pitt. He's making 400,000 at Texas, but he might be getting a raise depending on how well that position performs this year and and so um you know then taylor you bring in brennan thompson as well and Tariq milton from iowa state another highly productive uh fast wide receiver great locker room guy Tariq milton from iowa state and and then you bring in brennan thompson the true freshman burner who ran a 10 200 at the state meet he's a true freshman who's already turning heads in summer workouts with his ability to get separation. So this is as good of a receiving group on paper going into a season as I can remember, you know, in quite some time. I mean, they, they might well be too deep and we haven't been able to say that in a while. Yeah. This was a position where, you know, just last season, it was a liability at times um, from a depth perspe perspective, especially. But then just from guys not stepping up, I mean, the position was essentially Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington prior to Jordan Whittington getting injured. And then it became an Xavier Worthy show with some guys showing up sometimes, but the, the level of consistency there was not, wasn't there. It wasn't, <laughs> I shouldn't say there because it wasn't there. And so this is, I mean, it's, it's a little, I wouldn't, it's, I would say surprising is probably the right word. I was gonna say it's a little surprising to me that we're saying, you know, if you would have told me in December that we were having this conversation about the wide receiver being the second best position group heading into the 2022 football season, I'd probably look at you and be like, huh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I mean, coming out of last football season, it really, I mean, I wouldn't argue that Xavier Worthy, obviously, and Jordan Winton, he's healthy. But really, aside from that, it's just been the who's who of the, not, you know, performing up to the, the standard that the people expected from them. And so 
to see that it's turned into a strength for this team is a huge credit to Brendan Marion for the job he has done in such a short period of time. I mean, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian was involved in a lot of the recruitments, too, with Isaiah Nayer, especially. Um, same with Jeff Banks. But the fact that we're having this conversation about the wide receiver position, you know, coming out of when you're reporting the staff salaries, <laughs> you kind of think like Sark may want to get uh, ahead of the game here a little bit to give that raise maybe beforehand here, because this, what he's doing and recruiting what he's done in a short period of time. I mean, that's a huge credit. And I think that you can't overlook the fact that that position went from probably ending last season as maybe number eight or worse on the team to we're talking about it being number two going into this year. That's talk about a, a turnaround in such a short period of time. So I, I think it's, there's a lot of talent there. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what this position group will be able to do for Texas. But I, all that to say, the offensive line still is going to impact the entire overall success of the offense um, and how well the offense, you know, uh, succeeds or how well they perform, I guess, all season long. So with that being the number 10 ranked position group, there is kind of that, okay, however good the offensive line can be, the wide receiver group may be too just because they've got to do some type of job to protect whatever quarterback is taking the snaps for Texas this season. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you're going to have to um, emphasize the quick game, but that's not what Steve Sarkeesian, you know, Steve Sarkeesian wants to have vertical routes and he wants to get the ball down the field. He wants to take, you know, three, four deep shots in the first half, not in a game in the first half. Right. And we know, that uh, he can be successful uh, with that passing game because look, the offense wasn't the problem last year. Right. I mean, the offense was uh, putting points up on the board. Now there were times where the offense bogged down in the second half of games, but the offense typically got off to good starts and put points up on the board and needed the defense to help protect that lead. It didn't happen. And then maybe, uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian got a little um, cautious instead of, you know, keeping, as he says, the foot on the gas. Yeah. And I imagine this year he's going to keep his foot on the gas because if Texas has to outscore people this year, it looks like they've got the weapons to do it. And I know, you know, just talking to uh, folks around the league, they're looking at Texas's offense going, Oh Lord, if they figure <laughs> it out on the offensive line, this is a nightmare to handle yeah. because you've got to account for B. John Robinson. You've got to account for Xavier worthy. And as a Hanayer, his film tells you, you've got to, you know, you're going to have to play a lot of zone coverage <laughs> against Texas. And that's, yeah. that should be good uh, for the running game. So let's see if, if Steve Sarkeesian can get into a rhythm and get all these defenses so concerned about, you know, his motions and his, his uh, RPOs that, you know, they start uh, the season quickly and, and get some momentum, get some confidence because that receiver group looks like it can help. And for a minute, it, it was just a turnstile of, of people leaving the program you know, Josh Moore, whatever. There were a bunch of guys who it didn't work out for. Uh, Calvante Dixon, um, Alvante Marcus Woodard. Washington. Yeah, 
Argus Washington. I mean, Taylor, it's astounding the number of scholarships that Texas has given to receivers and how few have actually panned out. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what that was one of the things that Sark said last season. Like he was shocked to see how many players they had on scholarship that were receivers and then compared to how little, how few players they had on offensive line on scholarship. I mean, he was like blown away by it. But you're right. They've, you know, these guys just haven't panned out at all. And the the one that had would be Xavier Worthy. And who was he brought in by? Sark. He wasn't brought in by anyone else. He wasn't a carryover from a previous staff. I mean, yeah, this has been, you're right. It's been a revolving door of guys that really haven't lived up to the standards that they came in with or the expectations that they came in with, whether you call it hype or whatever. They just haven't developed into the guys that I think you expected them to be at that point. And so it's probably not a a bad thing that they're gone, honestly, because it's allowed Texas to really um, go after the guys that they think will be difference makers. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has had a lot of success and Brennan Marion obviously coming off of coaching a Bolitnikoff Award winner at Pitt of all places. I mean, it's not like he was at Alabama, you know, or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be really fascinating to watch. And and if it all kind of pans out, this position group will, will be one that, you know, teams are not going to want to mess with too much. And defense coordinators are really going to have to, to game plan for, and it's not just one guy this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun to see also, you know, if it's Quinn Ewers, um, we know Quinn Ewers can move around. He's got that mobility. If if you have to, and this is now what Steve Sarkeesian likes to do, but if you have to slide protection or roll the quarterback out to try to hide your offensive line deficiencies, Quinn Ewers can do that. And um, at least that's what we saw of him when last we saw him start a football game as a junior at South Lake Carroll. And now we got to see how he does it uh, against the speed of college defenses where, you know, you can't find that little uh, slow poke in the secondary on that high school defense that you can pick on. Right. You shouldn't be able to anyway. Um, you're, you're going up against dudes. And so uh, if Quinn Ewers or Hudson card, not going to dismiss Hudson card here, um, or Malik Murphy for that matter, <laughs> uh, can, can get a hold of this thing, man, there are a lot of weapons, uh, to hurt you at that receiver position and Taylor, no shock here <laughs> since Texas's running back position is being called the best in the country, uh, running back number one, number one, number one, the Longhorns, thanks to Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson. Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue. Blue. Yeah. That is a stacked running back room. I, I like Jonathan Brooks. I mean, what we saw of Jonathan Brooks, he looks like he's going to be uh, a big time player and he's going to get his opportunity because, you know, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson are probably both going to be in the NFL after this season. So, um, but Roshan Johnson, Taylor, I want to spend a minute on Roshan Johnson because. This guy is one of the great stories on this Texas Longhorns football team after moving positions to help the team uh, because they had injuries one after the other. This is way back when, um, oh my gosh, like 
Kirk Johnson was still mm -hmm. a Longhorn, but Roshan Johnson moved to running back to help uh, solidify that position. Um, and he turns himself into an NFL player. And then to me, his performance against K state last year, where he ran it 30 times uh, for 164 yards and just took over that game. And with Casey Thompson and Hudson card, both nursing injuries after the West Virginia game um, was fantastic. It was the performance of the year in a lot of ways. I know there were some crazy good offensive performances, including Bijan Robinson against TCU, Xavier Worthy against OU. Bijan Robinson against OU, even too. Some yeah, of those yeah. runs. Oh Casey my Thompson gosh. <laughs> first quarterback to throw for five touchdowns in three separate games. You could argue Roshan Johnson's performance against K State was the most valuable because it got him off of that six game losing streak, Taylor. And, and, you know, they were able to go into the offseason with just a kernel of momentum instead of some seven game losing streak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and him stepping up with Bijan Robinson being injured, you know, I mean, that's, it really opened the door for Roshan Johnson. And he's just been the definition of a team player too. I mean, he's been a guy that Steve Sarkeesian has just continued to sing the praises of um, since he came to Texas as the head coach. I mean, this is a guy who has fully not even just grasped, but been okay with being the number two guy, but still being the, one of the best leaders on the team. And that, that speaks volumes for the type of person that he is too. I mean, it's so easy for guys nowadays to transfer. Let's be honest. It, it's, it's, you know, basically free agency every off season. It seems like that the transfer portal has turned college football into, and you know, whether you agree with it or not, that's, that's the reality of the game right now. And that's the reality of, you know, how easy that it's been made for guys to pick up and leave. And the fact that Roshan Johnson, you know, has went from being recruited as a quarterback, really, really wanted to play quarterback in college, really wanted to play quarterback at Texas, and then just moving to help the team to begin with, sticking in that role, and then basically being the biggest supporter of the guy that is the younger guy that came in and played over him. I mean, that is, that's a unique type of character. That's a unique type of athlete. That's a unique type of person in general. And everyone talks about Bijan Robinson and who he is on and off the field. Roshan Johnson, I would say, is right, you know, one B there with the with both things. I mean, you know, this is this is really a special, you know, one-two punch tandem that Texas has. And I think it's also been really cool to kind of hear the stories about Roshan Johnson helping Bijan Robinson to become the better, the bigger leader, the more vocal guy, not just the lead by example guy. I mean, this is this is a guy that may never get the credit that he deserves as a, you know, Texas Longhorn, but he deserves a lot of credit and, and he won't be the guy that's going to tell you how much credit he deserves either. And you, you have to respect those type of guys. So absolutely. I think, you know, Roshan Johnson, Texas couldn't be in a better position at the running back position and they couldn't have better leaders than Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson at that position too. Yeah. And Roshan Johnson had opportunities <laughs> to leave. I mean, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Through NIL money at him and he stayed. And so, uh, and I sure changed him by the way, he had 31 carries for 179 yards against K state last year. And, you know, was doing it a lot of times out of that, uh, wildcat, wildcat. 
yeah, you know, shotgun where he's at the quarterback position. So it, um, you know, you're right. I mean, he is a huge vocal presence on this team. And, um, you know, in an interview I did with, uh, Tashard choice earlier this summer for the insider, he talked about Roshan Johnson having the respect of every single player on the team, offense, defense, doesn't matter. And, he does it on special teams, Taylor, too. He's on every meaningful special teams unit and doesn't want to be taken off because he knows uh, that's in the NFL, you got you got to play special teams. He wants to let everyone know, hey, I do it all. Well, and, yeah, that's a lot of times. And how outworks people get everybody. That's how people get contracts. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there are I've talked to NFL scouts who said this guy. You know, everyone's projecting him as a middle round guy, but they're, you know, the New England Patriots love guys like this. And sometimes they go a little higher than you expect because one team sees their value as a football player. And we'll, we'll see. But, um, Roshan Johnson just, uh, adds so much to that running backs room. And, uh, and again, Keelan Robinson, a guy who, transferred here from Alabama is doing it on special teams as well is a total burner and you know has tried to get stronger because they felt like he was a little bit of a liability on third down with his blitz pickup he's a smaller guy we'll see if he can you know stand in there and and improve that so that they can bring him into the game more uh, to help provide a spark a change of pace a rest for either Bijan or, or Roshan Johnson, especially early in the season when it's uh, crazy hot. But, um, you know, we know Steve Sarkeesian has ways of getting his playmakers the football, and he's got a lot of playmakers to get the football to, Taylor. Yes, it should be a really fun uh, season, I think, for the Texas offense in year two of Steve Sarkeesian. I think what people are going to kind of expect – expected to see from last year. That's really what I think is going to be um, interesting to watch this year. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get to some love it or leave it. You ready? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because we will have more football talk coming up in love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's do it. All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. 
The media blew it by not voting Quinn Ewers the Big 12 newcomer of the year. Okay, so I'm going to leave this. Um, I think at this point, Texas needs to be in the weeds. I mean, you can't hide Bijan Robinson, so that's fine. But um, let Quinn Ewers, you know, win this thing on its merits without having the preseason hype because Texas has Texas has led the nation in preseason hype. It seems every year for one reason or another um, because they're Texas and and it hasn't worked out. It hasn't panned out. Um, for one reason or another, we know all the coaching changes and the players having to learn new systems and not winning enough. And last year, maybe too many bad apples, too many, uh Oh, here we go again, apples in the bunch. Um, but let's let Quinn Ewers develop a little bit. And I think it's gonna be fascinating to see if Sarkeesian, um, you know, starts Hudson card to start the season, maybe for that Alabama game and then brings in Quinn Ewers. Now, listen, I do know this. Steve Sarkeesian's going to play the quarterback. He thinks it's going to give him the best chance uh, to win the game. He, you know, that's, that's who he is. That's how he's always rolled. Um, so I'm going to leave this Taylor. I'm okay with Dylan Gabriel being the newcomer of the year, he's thrown for 10,000 yards already in college football. And, you know, he's he's got some pedigree. Quinn Ewers, we haven't seen him start a football game since his junior year in high school. I'm going to leave this, Taylor. How about you? Hey, so you're, the audio is echoing a little bit. So if I mute you, that's the reason, just as a heads up, okay? Okay, that's cool. Okay, all right. Actually, now it's not, of course, now it's not doing it. But, all right, uh, all right. Ready? Three, two, one. You know, I'm going to agree with you, Chip, and I'm going to leave this too. I think that this is a good thing that Texas doesn't have the extra hype around the quarterback position and around Quinn Ewers. I mean, let's be honest, which, which you said is true. I mean, Texas has kind of been off-season champions, and I know that some fans really don't like hearing that, but you don't want to be the off-season champions. You want to be champions in season when it matters most. And so I think, I, you know, the fact that Quinn Ewers has – he obviously has so much upside. He has so much, uh, such a high ceiling. However, he hasn't shown it at the college level and he hasn't played a football game since 2020. So, you know, maybe, maybe tap the brakes on giving him the, you know, new newcomer of the year award when there is other um, players that are coming in from that have proven themselves at the college level. He just hasn't done it yet. Not saying that he can't do it, not saying that at the end of the season, maybe we will have a different take on this, but the, you know, before he even plays a meaningful snap of college football, this declare him as a newcomer of the year. That'd be silly. I mean, that'd be like Caleb Williams being declared the newcomer of the year last year. And he doesn't start a game until, you know, after the Texas game. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's just, there's certain things I feel like the way you really need to, approach especially preseason of award type of things and if the guy hasn't really played meaningful snaps in college football let's let's not argue that he's the preseason you know newcomer of the year so i 100 percent agree i think that i'm going to leave this the media got it right they did not blow it by not naming quinn ewers the big 12 newcomer of the year all right uh love it or leave it number two <laughs> 
Second one is love it or leave it, leave it, excuse me. The media got it right by voting Baylor to repeat as Big 12 champion. You know, I'm going to leave this. Um, I don't think the media got it right by voting Baylor to repeat as Big 12 champion. But I'm still coming up with my my pick for the Big 12 champion. Texas? My, <laughs> my gut is it's either going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or K-State. But Baylor, I get it. I get it. Baylor, we talked about it earlier. You know, Siaka Ika in the middle of that defense. Uh, Jalen Petrie's back. Blake Shapin looked good. Um, that wide zone running scheme came to life. I mean, Baylor could not run the ball two years ago. They were averaging two-plus yards per carry, not even three yards per carry. And then Jeff Grimes comes in with that wide zone running scheme and they just tear it up with a former linebacker, Abram Smith at running back. So I get it. I get why Baylor is getting the preseason love. I just think that, you know, you lose guys like Terrell Bernard, um, you know, or excuse me, they lost uh, Jalen Petrie. They have Dylan Doyle coming back. You lose Jalen Petrie, who I thought was, the big 12 defensive player of the year last year. I just think that's a lot to lose. Um, so I'm going to leave this Taylor. I, I don't think Baylor is going to repeat as big 12 champion. I'll get back to you on who my big 12 champion is after we get back from big 12 football media days, but I'm going to leave this. How about you? I'm going to love it. I think, I think that the media got it right. I think that, um, they, you know, I obviously a loss like a Jalen Petrie with one of the best players on defense, that's a big deal. But I, I trust that Dave Aranda is going to have that defense, you know, smooth sailing. It's going to be smooth sailing. Cause he's, he's such a great defensive mind, um, as a head football coach. And I really think he did an amazing job in hiring, you know, an offensive coordinator that really could turn that team around from, you know, being a two win team to a team that won a big 12 title. I mean, when you're talking about the, the, the rushing offense, you know, prior to last season, you know, last year they finished 10th in the country in rushing offense. And so that I, I believe in what Dave Aranda is doing in Waco. I, I think that he's going to have them, being a contender for a while, honestly. So as long as Baylor can keep them, I really think that he's a really good coach. I think that was a great hire. And, um, you know, he proved a lot of people wrong last year. So I'm not going to have him prove me wrong this year. <laughs> and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in getting that thing continued, you know, where he left off last year. So I'm, I'm going to love this. And I think they got it right by voting Baylor as a Big 12 champion. Okay. Love it or leave it. Number three. Final one is love it or leave it. The interview with Arch Manning's high school coach, Nelson Stewart will go down as the most listened to flagship podcast ever. Sure. I'm going <laughs> to love this. Why not? Everything else. Mar Arch Manning has touched his like turn to platinum. <laughs> you know, he commits nearly a dozen studs commit behind him. Listen, I, Hope everyone listens to the flagship podcast interview with Nelson Stewart, the head coach at Isidore Newman. He was a player at Isidore Newman with Arch's dad, Cooper. That's how they pronounce it. Cooper. 
Um, and and Peyton and and Isidore Newman's never won a state championship. How about that? Even though Eli Manning played there, Peyton Manning, Cooper, um, they've never won a state championship, and that that's part of the interview. But I mean, the stories that Nelson Stewart talks about other coaches you know pushing kids on a swing set with Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien um it's it's a great interview i i hope it goes down as the most listened to flagship podcast uh interview ever taylor i'm going to love this how about you yeah if we're talking about flagship podcast interviews then i i totally agree that it will we've had some pretty um high listen to episodes of the flagship podcast, you know, in, in, uh, since we launched this, what, almost two years ago now, especially since we did the video component of it. So there's been a lot of, uh, very, you know, highly listened to, uh, downloaded podcasts, but for interviews, absolutely. And if you have not checked it out, go back and check it out because he, he just told some really good stories, totally opened up you know, pulled the curtain away and one of the most unique recruitments in call in recent modern day college football, I would say. I mean, he even said like this could this would be a 30 for 30 type of thing. You know, I mean, this is a this was just such a unique recruitment for um, Arch Manning and the having him be the guy that has you know every step of the way was there him talking about how. He talked to AJ Milwee on almost on a daily basis. He said he made the joke that he talked to AJ Milwee more than he would talk to his wife, and he was like, "I'm actually kind of not kidding about that." Yeah, so I, I I agree. I think this will be the the most listened to flagship podcast interview, and it will be definitely worth the listen if you're a Texas fan or if you're just a college football fan and they're curious to get the behind the scenes look into how that all went down because this was a one of a kind type of recruit, a uh, generational type of recruit, and one that. I don't think we'll see in quite a, a long time in uh, just the overall recruiting landscape. Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, check it out, folks. Give give yourself a little time and check it out. You'll enjoy it. You will. Uh, I, 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 if you're a Texas fan or not, I think you're going to enjoy that interview um, because Nelson Stewart's a really likable guy and fun to talk to. So, um, okay, good stuff, Taylor. Good stuff. Lot, a uh, lot of stuff going on, and uh, and thanks everybody for for hanging out with us. And we'll we'll be back next week to continue to enlighten and entertain and infotain, um, because we're uh, you know we're always bringing you the scoop. Uh, so until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Make sure you're you're checking out all the information from Mike Roach and Hudson Standish from Jeff Howe, Taylor, myself, uh, because football season never ends and we've got you covered. So um, until next time, folks, stay safe and keep the faith.